Golly, four years old. <laughs> Whew, that really went in. <laughs> hey, it's great to be here this morning, guys. Um, now, I want to see how many of you have ever messed with clay. Would you raise your hands? All right. So today, I'm, um, I'm authorizing you as my prayer intercessors, okay? Because can you imagine trying to throw a pot in front of a crowd? You know, and it's, uh, it's always a little bit challenging. Uh, so far, God has just really graced me, and, and I'm not seriously messed up with any clay. Uh, although last night, I discovered that the clay I had was really stiff. And, you know, I, I'm going to be 63 next weekend. So it was like, whoo, baby. <laughs> so it, it, uh, it was a real slow process, but we're better today. So I'm excited for that. Father, we just invite your presence here. We love you. And we desire, Lord, that we would increasingly be aware of your love for us. Today, Lord God, as we, we talk and listen and watch your whole restoration process in our lives, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and begin to stir hearts, either in the ministry of restoring others or in those who need to be raised up rise up again, that, Lord, you would take them by hand, by heart, and by mind, and raise them up in your name. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, those of you who are children, and, uh, and, it, and I'll just, here's the test. If you can't see that hand, this one right here, if you can't see that hand, then you're invited right up front here, okay? You can't climb up with me right now. But, but you, I want you to be able to see. So there's plenty of room up front. Come on up. Don't be bashful. You know, even some of you 70-year-olds, if you need to come up, come on up. You know, you know the eyes get a little dim sometimes. You know, so no takers. Okay. Um, well, we'll begin. have to do a little housekeeping sometimes, you know. This morning's talk, um, I want to just start off by saying, you know, in the vineyard, and I've been in the tribe since 1984, and I love the vineyard family. It's my family. Um, and I love it, and it's warts and bumps, and I love it in its high moments, too. And, uh, we're real, aren't we? One of our values in the vineyard is that we want to experience the presence of God. We, we don't want to just simply know about God, but we want to know Him. And there's a distinction between that. Let's put this in a personal term. Uh, most of you who are in this church, you know about Danny Meyer. But to know him, you need to be around him a whole lot. 
And you perhaps, you know, if you're next door neighbors, you get to really know him. And if you eat over at his house, uh, you get to know him. And, you know, on and on. So knowing someone is totally different than knowing about someone. That's really an important thing to grasp this morning because uh, part of what I want to talk about, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote many of the letters in the New Testament, uh, he uh, was formerly uh, a, a religious zealot uh, as a Hebrew. And he was, a, as he claims in Philippians chapter 3, he was a uh, Hebrew of Hebrews. He was righteous. I mean, de imagine declaring yourself as someone who was righteous. Uh, he obeyed the law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he says. So he knew all about God and, and the working of God and the rules of God. But he says in Philippians 3, uh, let's go there for a second, in Philippians 3, verse 10, he says, I, I, before that, he says, I count all of that knowing about as rubbish. I, I count all that religious activity before as rubbish compared to having relationship, knowing. And he says, all that I want, Philippians 3.10, all that I want is to know Christ. And that word know Christ is epigonosko in the Greek, and it literally means to really know, intimately, have relationship with, not know about, but know through experiencing the presence of Christ. I want to know Christ. Now, I've seen that many times in the past. I've preached about that concept uh, in, in the years I was pastoring. But in the last couple of years, at one point, I was reading through the Bible, and suddenly, I'm sure you've all had these experiences, suddenly I see something, I go, huh, never saw this before. Paul goes on, he says in that same verse in uh, Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Hmm. And it, I looked it up in the Greek, I studied it, I'm going, wow, Paul, you're talking about that in the present tense. Is, is that really, is, are you, are you, honestly, is that what you're talking about? So then a little bit later, I come across Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I'll read it to you. I pray also that the eyes of your heart, this is to the Ephesian church, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, epigonosco know, to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Here it comes. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So again, now Paul is praying that the church of Ephesus would experientially know and have the same power in themselves, the same strength that came from God. It's not our own making. It, came from, it comes from God that causes uh, Jesus to rise from the dead. That's resurrection power. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I'd always thought of resurrection power as historical. The resurrection power that raised Jesus 
that we celebrate on Easter and, and the resurrection in the future for all the saints who pass away before Christ returns. Because when he returns, we will be resurrected in a whole new resurrected body. Praise God. Amen? Amen. You know, yeah, I get hair again. I'm, I'm delighted with this concept uh, and so much more. You know, I was just, uh, I had a private moment this morning and I was just thinking, worship was already going on, and I was just thinking of, of the future and of the new heaven and the new earth and, and the power of praise. I, there's going to be praise and worship everywhere. But I don't think it's a deal where you and I are going to be sitting on clouds strumming harps. Uh, yeah, just to me, that, I mean, maybe some of us get that role, but I, I, that's just not, and it's not an endless church service. Uh, you know, I mean, as a pastor, I'm really hoping that. Because I've done that. Um, and, and you have sat through those. Uh, and, and so, no, I think it's, it's, it, it will be the garden built all over again. And skies like we've never seen before. Colors we've never seen before. We don't even have the names for these colors yet. I believe in that day that we will have worship and praise going on continuously and the trees will be dancing and clapping their branches. And, and songs will be sung from the clouds. And the skies will sing. And we will join in. And worship and praise will be abundant everywhere. And birds will talk, and the animals, oh man, the animals will dance. And we will be new creations in Christ. Whet your appetites. You know, sometimes people say, ah, oh, you're just too heavenly minded for any earthly good. I would rather be heavenly minded and be great here on the earth. Because when we're heavenly minded, we're already absorbing the kingdom of God as it is in heaven and bring it here on earth and that's the desire of the king those were not in my notes but thank you Lord uh, so here's here's the deal I want to talk about resurrection today I want to talk about living in resurrection power and uh, in doing that uh, you know the question is why do we need resurrection power why is this important to us? Well, you know, Jesus at the Last Supper, Jesus went ahead and he spoke to his disciples with many, many things. But in closing, the very last things that he said were these words. After he prayed, he said, In this world, you will have trouble or tribulation. But be of good cheer, be courageous in your hearts. He said, because I have overcome this world. So I'd encourage you to continuously receive the courage of Christ in your hearts. Because yes, in this world we do, don't we? We do have troubles. We have lots of troubles that happen in this world all different kinds of things, because this is a broken world, isn't it? It's a world in which uh, there's much sin that takes place, sin that we've done, sin that's done to us. And, uh, you know, as, as believers, we encounter challenges. Sometimes, you know, in the past, I don't hear it so much anymore, but in the past there was a kind of a theological argument 
uh, oftentimes used to win people to Christ. And it was the argument that if, if we come to Christ, everything's going to be great. And, you know, you, what, I've, what I've discovered is, yes, there, there's amazing things that happen. There are healings that happen. There are freedoms that happen that we've never had before. There's tremendous love that we've never had before. There's a body of people that are wonderful to be around that we didn't have before. But in this world, there's, there's much that can shatter us that we still come up against. And, and, the, and the truth of the matter is this, that um, just because we come to Christ, you know, our teeth don't all get straight. And just because we come to Christ, our kids don't always get good grades. And just because we come to Christ, we don't all get the purple Harley that we wanted or the Corvette, you know? Now, maybe some of you have some of those things. That's great. I'm glad. Give me a ride afterwards. Uh, but uh, the, the truth of the matter is that in this world, whether it's a slow thing or whether it's a sudden thing, there is much destruction and we fall apart. And I heard that. Uh, and God hears that. Uh, and we end up looking like this. You know, whether it's, it's slow and worry and anxiety and depression, or whether it's sudden, a death of a loved one, or cancer, or loss of job, or, or something, but it just, it wrecks us, demolishes us, it devastates us. And, and, and the question becomes, you know, can we build ourselves back up? And, and, and the, the answer is right before you. Can this clay restore itself? Can it heal itself? No. In order for this clay to become a, a vessel again, in order for you and I to become living vessels of God again, this clay needs a potter. A potter who has vision for it. A potter who is able to restore it. It's a process. And you and I, when this happens in our lives, we need God. We need God so badly. And, you know, sometimes we might wonder, well, will, will God be there? You know, maybe it's sin that, that we have done. Maybe we've fallen some way horribly. And, and, and you know, like in the garden when when Adam and Eve fell. And, and you might wonder, I don't think God will reach out again to me. He's already reached out to me once and I got saved. And Look at what I've done. Let me give you some hope. Consider this. What if God just sort of looked at Adam and Eve and, oh, you know, just like you felt with that vessel falling apart. It's like, oh, and, and, you know, the Trinity got together and discussed it and said, well, hey, we did it in six days. Let's toss this one out and do it again. He didn't do that, did he? You know, the Bible is three words. covers the whole thing. Creation, fall, redemption. Creation and fall are the first five, six pages of the book. 
The rest of the whole story is the story of God taking that which is broken and redeeming it and making it his own. So we begin. We begin by wedging this clay. And it's a strong process. And when we are destroyed, we have many holes in us. And, and we often, we just want to give up. Or instead of giving up, we, we often turn to self-destruction. Maybe it's alcohol or drugs or numerous relationships and sex or, uh, or depression. We just, we just want to, we try to, to get some help ourselves and, and sometimes there's some help that way out there but it just doesn't seem to heal. Many, many years ago when I was in my 20s, uh, I'd been married for a short period of time. I was not a believer, and, and my wife at that time was not a believer. Uh, I, I was a workaholic. You know, when you're an artist and you're first starting out, you're poor. <laughs> Unless you were born rich, and I wasn't. But, uh, you know, I just worked all the time to try to, to make a living as a potter. And there was not much relationship, and so I, I understand uh, why my first wife left, because she was lonely. She found another guy. And that kind of experience just devastated me. I was so angry. I was so hurt, so destroyed. And uh, so I, I turned to a lot of self-destructive activity. But you know, there, there, were, there were people around me that were praying for me. I had a mom that was a strong, born-again Christian, spirit-filled. She just prayed hard. I know she did. And, and there were others that I found out later that had begun to pray for me. But you know what? I mean, here's the hope. Here I was like this. And God was, he knew who I was. And if today you're in a place of destruction, God knows who you are. He knows that this is not the whole story. And he knows how to raise you up how to restore you, how to redeem you. So take courage in that. Ask for prayer. I, I didn't go to a church back in those days. Ask for prayer. And, and the grace of God was so amazing. I mean, all of a sudden there, there, there was a woman who showed up that, uh, and, and we just had a great friendship relationship, but she was a Texas millionaireess. She had just graduated uh, with her master's in sculpture, and I had this giant uh, studio building that I had actually built for my ex-wife. She left the month after it was built. I used to want to torch it when I'd come home drunk at night. True story. But uh, uh, this woman named Sandra showed up and wanted to rent it, and she wanted to rent it at an outrageous rate which was wonderful because my mortgage had gone from $360 a month to $1,200 a month. This is 19, when was it? 1980, Jimmy Carter years, 18% interest. Woo! See, banks are not really big on lending to artists. I don't know why, there's this word flaky. I, you know, it's just, but, so she shows up and, and 
gives me monthly rental checks. And potters, a couple potter guys that knew me, they're still fairly young and making pots. They, they say, hey, can, I, can we come out and work with you? And, and, and we'll, you know, we'll mix the clay for you, mix the glazes and help you around the studio. And I just didn't have much energy or heart for making pots. But, and, and so they really helped out with that. And, and like I was saying, this went on for, this was a period of a couple of years um, of living not a good way. And I, I didn't have the heart for making, making pots. And so one day the state of Colorado comes by and says, hey, we're going we're gonna, to, by right of indemnity, uh, take that little section of land out, out front uh, because it, I lived right on the corner of two highways and they were going to expand the intersection. And, and so uh, they paid me $18,000 for a little weed patch. Paid my bills. That's the grace of God. I was not living a righteous way by any stretch of imagination. I look back on that and I guess, God, you are so good. And sometimes he goes, yeah, I know. But he also says, I had a plan for you, Dave. I knew who you are. I knew who you would become. He's so good. So in this wedging process, I'm removing air bubbles. Air bubbles really throw off the throwing process. So it's really important to do it. And I think that, that um, air bubbles for me represent pride. And there are times in our lives when we need our pride worked out of us. And uh, humility is not an easy thing to receive. It just takes the abundant grace of God uh, to bring it back in. And close-up handwork of God. You know, one of the beautiful things, you know, in the Bible, you may not know this, but there are many metaphors of potter and clay. Potter being God, and clay being us. And uh, it's kind of a humbling for us, a humbling metaphor, because, you know, it's just dirt. It's just mud uh, that has been selected for a variety of good reasons. And, and the the thing is, I love working with clay. God loves working with us. And God, he's not afraid of getting his hands dirty. That's why Jesus walked among us. Amongst the lepers and amongst the adulterous and amongst the sinners. Because that's all that was there. It's still all that's here. We're all sinners in the sight of the Holy God. But he loves to work close with us. You know, as you can see, this is a hands-on uh, artistry. And God is not, as, as um, JT mentioned before during worship, God is not a distant God. Or maybe it was Michael, I can't remember which. God is a hands-on God right here with us. His presence is here. This is the last page. Take hope. So the first thing we need to do is to center this clay. We need to add moisture to it. I think of moisture a lot 
like the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And as you watch me make this vessel, or remake it, uh, you'll see me apply water again and again. And I know in a sense, when we come to Christ, or there may be a significant moment in our lives when we just receive a, a huge indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But we need the, we need the application and the closeness and the relationship with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, don't we? So again, it's like this water that keeps being applied to the clay. Without this water, the tension of the pressure that I'm putting on it and the strength of my hands would rip the clay right off the wheel. For me, that's almost a picture again of the Holy Spirit that he, in a sense, is the in-between of us and God Almighty. That the power of God right now and the unholiness of us, we need Christ's intercession and his prayers. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit all around us. You know, when Jesus said at the Last Supper that the Holy Spirit would come and he would be another counselor and that word counselor in the Greek is parakaleo which means para come alongside kaleo call out to you so the spirit of God loves to come alongside us gives us visions and dreams he gives us words he gives us encouragement so when we have been broken in order to rise up again, there is a centering process where we are drawn closer and closer to Christ by the Father, by the Father's hands. And there is a stillness that begins to happen in us. There is a peace that begins to surround us. We actually begin to feel loved. You know, it was in the brokenness of divorce that set the stage for me to eventually receive Christ. That's why I love to minister to really broken people. People, like I like to go to prisons. Uh, this coming Wednesday morning, I will be doing a potter's talk, a different subject, but a potter's talk uh, at Tom Severson's church, the vineyard in Elgin, uh, Illinois. But it'll be at the breakfast for the homeless because they have breakfast every, every morning uh, during the week for the homeless of the city. And they get a couple hundred people out for breakfast. I love to, to speak with groups that know that they're broken, know that they're desperate, because in that desperation, they're hungry. There is no surface you know, pretense that everything's okay. And that's all it is for all of us. We're all broken, aren't we? We all have things that need to be worked through, that need to be healed by Christ and be made whole. We all need resurrection power, the power to rise up, Anastasia, the power to stand up. That's what the word literally means, to rise again, to stand. So once the clay is centered as it is now, the next thing that needs to take place is, is to open it up. And if you're broken, I would encourage you, even though it's almost the last thing you want to do, 
you need to, we need to become vulnerable to God. We need to become open to Him. We need to call out to Him. We need to, uh, you know, one of my favorite prayers I learned from John Wimber. Help! It's not hard to remember. Sometimes it's hard to do. We want to be self-made. Our whole society screams that at us. Our world screams that at us. Perhaps your parents told you that. And there is an important step that we take in all of our activities, but God is the fuel. God is the strength when we're weak. And very often we're very weak. That's when we need him the most. So as, I, as I'm opening this, if, if you find yourself in a broken place, being vulnerable first to God, but next, I would encourage you to be vulnerable even to that which hurts. Maybe someone has really hurt you, sinned against you. Jesus would say, forgive them. I'll tell you the same. Begin to pray for them, even. And see what God will do in you. So be open. Be open to the Spirit of God. Be open to the Father's heart for you. Be open to Jesus. Be open to the prayers of others. And now we come to the point of pulling up a vessel. Pulling up a vessel means we, we cause it literally to rise up. It's like the resurrection of a vessel. It's done by pressure, pressure of a hand inside, pressure of a hand outside, pair teamed up together, pressing against each other and gradually pushing the clay upward. So when you are in the midst of the need of being resurrected, there are some activities that you can pursue that are godly activities that he gives us. You may call them disciplines or whatever, but, uh, or things that Jesus taught, but they're powerful that if we team up with God who lives inside of us and experience that we have with loving people on the outside uh, and living out the commands of Christ, we will begin to rise again. We will begin to recover. I will tell you this. This vessel will be a slightly different vessel than the last one. You will be different also. You will walk with a limp, most likely. You'll walk with a memory of something that has happened in your life that you've been restored from. But you know that difference is not an awful thing. That difference will give you, number one, more empathy for others. More understanding. More willingness to pray or willingness to serve and to love. And as you do that, they will rise up. And if you are in a broken place and you do that for other people, out of what God puts into you, you also will begin to rise up. You'll feel the strength of God flowing through you. Another thing, another activity that I really encourage you is to begin to give thanks to God. And when we're in despair, when we feel absolutely destroyed and, 
and, and despondent and so on, it, it's hard to be thankful. It, it really is a discipline. But I'd encourage you to find the littlest thing, you know, that you put the key in your car and the door opens up. Give thanks. Give thanks for the first breath of your morning. Just find something, and as, as you do this, you'll find that it flows more and more and more, and you're, you become more and more thankful during the course of the day. And it will change the uh, neurology of your brain. It actually does. And it will also change your outlook on life. And it will draw you closer to God. Scripture says, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. The second thing I would encourage you is uh, worship and praise. Get some great Christian music. Kind, whatever kind you like. Play it. And, uh, and sing. Start singing. And you may be a horrible singer. So, you know, you can do this in the privacy of your car. You know, if you can drive alone. And, um, and it's so much fun at traffic lights. Because people look at you like, what's going on? But it's powerful, isn't it? When we, when we praise God, and yet we are still desperately in, in despair or challenged, you know, maybe it's, a, I'll never forget in my church, there was, a, there was a couple and their son had gotten killed in a horrible car crash. But within a month, I remember standing at the back of the church and I was watching this woman's hands go up in the middle of worship. And she was singing. That is a sacrifice of praise. And God honors it. And I'll tell you, it creates courage in us so we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts further in with praise. I'm very blessed. I had a grandma uh, that loved all of her 12 grandkids intensely and she traveled around the little state we lived in and visited all of us. She loved to play the piano. She was good and she loved to sing. So she would insist that we sing with her. And she would brag on how good we were singing, you know. Whether we were or not, I don't know. But she would, but she'd always say, louder, sing louder. So uh, I learned how to do that. And I do, I sing loud. I hope I'm on key, but I, I don't really care. Um, some of you are in the back right over there. I was behind you. So if you heard some obnoxious guy singing loud in the back, that was me. But uh, I'm not going to ask for your forgiveness because it's, it's my deal. You know, and I also, I, this is a word to us Anglos. We need to dance more. Uh, I grew up with uh, Oriental sisters uh, who married African-American guys, and, and my sisters could dance. And they just mocked me when I was a teenager. When you're a teenager boy, you do not need your sisters mocking you for how you dance or try to. So I don't give a rip anymore. 
I just dance. All right, this pot is growing. It's being healed. It's becoming a new vessel. Just as you will as you surrender your life to Jesus to restore you, to rise you up again for his glory and his purposes. You see, as a potter, I know what purpose I have in mind for this vessel. And I have the ability to make it. God has the ability to make you. You may find that during your time of resurrection power existing and you're working in you that God gives you new callings. New directions. Carefully walk in them. Timing is everything. Seek Him in that. He'll give you new giftings. And He will change you. And He will heal you. Part of the healing comes as you forgive either yourself, if it was you that was causing the sin that destroyed you, Receive forgiveness from Christ and walk and live in it. Exchange the sin of your life or the sin done against you. Give it to God. This is part of Pastor Danny's teaching of the gospel of wholeness. Which, by the way, I've, I've gone through and received some major healings in. I really encourage you to, if you've not partaken in this or you have before, take it again. Forgive those who've hurt you. It's so powerful. And the person suddenly will become a different person in front of you. And grace is extended to you. Give grace away. And become the person, the vessel that God has in mind. For this is resurrection power. The ability, no matter how hard you've been pressed down, no matter how big that weight is that's crushing you, God will give you the power as he puts his hands on you, as he loves you, as he fills you with his spirit, that you might rise up stand before him and worship him with all your heart I want to read a close in reading two scriptures out of Romans the eyesight's not really good so whoever knows are we okay with time okay thanks first one is Romans 8 35 you know years ago at pastor's appreciation Sunday the guy came up and handed me this Bible. It's uh, large print. And, you know, I was 42 at the time. I thought, <laughs> well, that's nice. I don't need this. I didn't then. 
Starting in verse 35 of chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake. We face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. In other words, yes, we do. We, we experience horrible things like sheep about to be slaughtered. That's how we're looked at. Well, I thought they were Christians. How come this has happened to them? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, I'm somewhat of a sports guy. Um, and, uh, you know, conquering, winning is important, isn't it? We all like to win. I'm, you know, I, I seem like a really laid-back guy, but don't play games with me because I am competitive. We like to win, and being a conqueror means you are victorious, and victorious, you win again, and again, consistently, you win. That's a conqueror. What is more than a conqueror? This pot right here is more than a conqueror because it was destroyed and demolished and yet it has risen again because of Christ so shall you and when we rise again despite the deaths despite the tragedies despite the things that took us down where we didn't win we become more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. And when that happens, we, like Paul, become convinced. Verse 38. And Paul, by the way, Paul, as you know, he's a guy who knows what it's feel, it feels like to have rocks thrown at you. He knows what it's like to be persecuted and put into prison for his faith. He knows all these kinds of things that are meant to destroy him. And yet he is more than a conqueror through Christ. And because of that he says, For I am convinced, verse 38, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Let's rise. Let's rise up. Worship team, come on up. Lord, we invite you right now. We invite you right now to stir hearts that have been crushed. Lord, we invite you to place a morsel of hope right now. Light the flame, Lord. Light the flame. Now for those of you that whatever stage of crushing you're in, maybe it's coming and you see it coming and you're afraid. Maybe it's 
Maybe it's even someone else that you really love and they're just destroyed right now and they're self-destroying and you need fresh hope to know how to minister to them, how to love them. I want you to come on up because the Lord is here and He wants to touch you. He wants to bring courage in you. Come on up. Some of you are in the middle of the battle. Some of you feel so crushed and defeated. Come on up. It's a vulnerable act, I know, but it's safe up here. And people who love God and love you will come up and pray for you. So come on up. Come on up. For some of you, it will be the first step of healing. Let's make sure that everybody that comes to the front has someone praying for them. I know there's a number of us that that just need that that potter's hand to restore us, to make us uh, shaped just as he desired, regardless of the circumstances that pressed us in, pressed us down, whether they were circumstances outside of ourselves or or self-inflicted wounds. God wants to restore us to the purposes that he has for us. So come on up. And again, let's make sure everyone that's up front has someone praying for him. We need some more men and women to pray. Come on up. Don't make me come and get you. You know I will. The word for some of you is fresh hope. You've had some hope. The word says, the Lord says, I want to give you fresh hope. New hope. And there's victory ahead. Charged with joy overflowing and peace overflowing and love overflowing in all of your glory. Spirit, come, the Holy Spirit dwell, fill your church with joy overflowing and peace. with joy overflowing and peace overflowing and love overflowing 
Fill your church with joy overflowing and peace overflowing and love overflowing in all of your glory. Father, we bless what you're doing right now in the front of this room, all through this room. Lord, we thank you that your hand comes and touches our lives, restores us, refreshes us, rebuilds, reframes us, Lord. We appreciate the great grace that you extend to us, Lord. Free us from the power of, of sin, be it our own sin or sins committed against us. Lord, allow us to be conform to that image that's in your heart, that unique image that you have that is going to be reflected through us as individuals. Come and have your way in us, Lord. Separate us. Separate us, Father, from the power of experiences that crushed, experiences that just deflated us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, you just hold your hands out as I just pronounce a, a, a blessing on us. Father, we ask that you would come right now, pour your blessing out on us, your presence out on us. Release us today, Lord, that we would walk in, in relationship with you, that we would walk with a, just a profound sense of your presence in our lives, your spirits working in our lives, the direction that you have for our lives. Release us this morning with your blessing. Release us as well, Lord, with that, that sense of your favor and your affection for us. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen.